Welcome to the Journey of a Christian Dad podcast. I'm your host, Dan Lewis. Who is the spiritual leader of your family? Is it you, your pastor, your spouse, the media? Do you know? I did. And sadly, no one was taking responsibility to lead our family. Well, friends, someone needs to take that job, and that man is you. You may not feel qualified, and some days I don't. With the help of God and a community of dads helping each other on their journey, you can be the leader your family deserves. We welcome you to the Journey of the Christian Dad podcast. All right, men, welcome back. Welcome back. What a heck of a week it has been. If you guys checked out the previous podcast, you know what I'm talking about. So we got a message from Maddie Moe, Maddie Moe. So Maddie Moe says, man, so powerful. Thank you for sharing. I love your message. I'm certainly not taking up my role as the religious leader in my house for my family. And I certainly need to make it a higher priority. I will continue praying for your brother. So thank you, Maddie Mo. I appreciate you praying for my brother. Appreciate you listening to the podcast. And dude, if you can do something different in your life and you recognize that you need to make that a priority, step it up, man. Step it up. It's so rewarding to lead your family, lead your family closer to Christ. So praying for you, dude. Praying for you, Maddie Mo. You can do this. You can do this, my friend. All right. Let's step into, we got Thriving Girl Dad. I read this book. This is a great book. Super cool. Written by a regular guy that's a little bit outside of regular. Guy's done triathlons. He's raised four fantastic daughters, has a wonderful marriage, and just stepped into writing a book that he totally didn't want to do. He delayed on this book for such a long time, and he wrote it. He finally let it out, and it's out there to the world now. It's called Thriving Girl Dad. And we've got the author, Brian Young, with us. Welcome, Brian. Hey, hey, man. How are you? Thanks I'm for great. having me on. I'm great. Yeah. Thank you Appreciate for coming it. on the journey of a Christian dad. I'm so excited to have you with us. I am honored. Absolutely. Thanks for the good intro. I'll keep sending you the money. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was kind of a hack job intro because you've got so much stuff. However, I didn't want to throw it all out there because I want to talk about some of it. Like, Absolutely. well, first off, let's back up a bit. Let's talk kind of, how'd you grow up? How was your childhood? How was your dad? Man. So I grew up in an amazing home. My parents were incredible, grew up in the Methodist church. And so I knew who the Lord was at a, a young age and had a sister who was about seven years younger than me. Dad, hardworking home builder, taught me work ethic, taught me morals and ethics and just do things the right way. Mom that provided an incredible home, great environment, always that proverbial house where the door was constantly open, people in and out, spending the night. You never knew who was going to hang at the young house, had the pool in the backyard. So a really incredible childhood. Lost my dad about 14 years ago last week. And so that was hard, obviously, mm. as a man in his, I guess at the time in his 40s, but yet left a great legacy uh, as an example for me to be a husband and a father for sure. Absolutely. If he was to have given you advice, and maybe he did, about you being the leader of your family, or you being the dad in the family, or husband of the family, whatever, what's the takeaway that you've taken from your dad, or the way that your dad even just lived his life? Oh, wow. Man, always do it the right way. You know, the right way takes longer, but that's worth every step you take. That's the longer way to get it done always fight for your family, you know, whatever you need to do. Um, he was an entrepreneur. He had his own building business. He rode the wave of, of gain and loss, but he said, you just continue to work hard, do it right. Don't cut corners. 
love on people well, did not believe obviously in divorce, regardless of how hard it was in marriage. You fight for that marriage, just like you fight for your family. Really incredible guy, I'll be honest. But the whole walking with Jesus thing daily was something that I eventually learned from him. And that's something that I learned later in life from a dear friend when I was in my late 20s. So, but man, just a, a great man, miss him dearly, but hardworking, full of integrity, but good dude. Mm, sounds like a great dad. It yeah. sounds like the kind of dad all of us want to be. Yeah, definitely a man's man for sure. Yeah. If our kids could describe us that way, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, it would be. That's sure. awesome. From there, you know, take it from there. How'd you progress and how'd you get into the business world and just how'd you become Brian Young? Oh man. Well, I tell you, I, I will, I will start with the fact when I left Baylor University, you know, I had this great idea that I would leave Baylor. I would have my wife in line. I had this perfect job and, you know, God had different plans. And at that time, I wouldn't have really felt like God had different plans. It was just, ah, it's different plans. You know, I didn't identify so much with walking with the Lord. And uh, I had this kind of skewed view of, you know, I'd accepted my faith at a young age. I didn't attend church throughout college. I felt like, you know, I had this relationship with him. He knew who I was. I knew who he was. At least I thought I knew who he was. And I prayed when need be. Did get into what's that? God. What's that? Let me stop you for a second. What does pray when need be mean in in the <laughs> in the scheme of pray when need be? Like I've heard this one before. Yeah, it's it's just more like you know you got a situation in life, right? And you're like, God, I'm going to come before you and basically ask for help, right? Yeah. It's the proverbial lifeline. Like, hey, yeah. I've been doing it all by myself for a while. All of a sudden I realize, oh, it's not working out. So let's just go to a higher power and ask for help. It wasn't one of these just normal, just conversations that I believe that it is today with Walk With The Lord. It's every day, all day in all things. And that's just not how I viewed him at that point. It was just when I needed something. So very distant. So for the guys out there that are younger, that may or may not be dads, yeah. if you resonate with what Brian just said of, I'm reaching out for help when I need help, that's my version of talking to God. So whether that's daily, weekly, once a year, once every three years, whenever the big trouble comes along, you reach out. And if that's your version of your relationship with God, listen to what Brian's saying, how that's changed over the years, because I very much relate to what you're saying. Yeah. You know, I very much relate to Sunday mass. Hey, that's great. A lot of people do go. A lot of people go. Yeah. Well, and it's, <laughs> I got some other things I'm doing though, but it, you know, Dan, it's, it's a, it's a dude's mentality, right? It's like, yeah. I've got this all together. I've got the skills that are mine. They don't give the credit to the Lord. That's where they came from. And so they put themselves in a position where I can do all the heavy lifting. It's the eye syndrome. And as I walked with the Lord, when I got older, my late twenties, I realized that he gave me those gifts and he's there to have a relationship. He has a personal interest in me. And yes, will he be there for you when you need something? Absolutely. But the reality is he wants you to be there in all of it. He's always there. So why wouldn't you just walk beside him like you would a best friend? So that was a real revelation for me, honestly, when I was in my late twenties, that that was that special of a relationship, like your best buddy all the time. It's amazing. I love hearing the way that you explain that because it just sounds so, if I was in that situation back in the day and I heard you say that, I'm like, really? I can have that too? 
Really? Because you seem like a regular dude. You seem like a guy I can relate to. And if you can be best friends with that guy, maybe, maybe I can at least be close to best friends. You know, maybe I can talk to him in some time other than, you know, at the bottom of a pit. Well, I think what we do to your point, we just kind of put this distance and I used to have this misconstrued thing. And that's why I didn't go to church when I was, I mean, I was at Baylor university, private Baptist college. Right. And you would think like they are, the churches are everywhere. There's great places of fellowship and growth and community, but I just felt like, you know, this, those people just didn't have fun. And it was so just about the religion and it's not, it's about a relationship. And so that's what I needed to learn. And so to continue my story, what helped me understand that was when I met my bride of now 27 years at Children's Medical Center in Dallas. You know, I met her there and I might talk about this in the book, but she literally asked me after our first date and she goes, so where are we going to church in the morning? After your first date. Where are we going to church in the morning? And I stuttered for less than half a second, my friend. And she said, let's be clear. If we're going to date we will attend to church and we will be involved. I don't care where, but that's just how I roll. And I was like, yes, ma'am. And <laughs> we went to church where I grew up going to church, which I hadn't been in a while. That began the journey of understanding that it's a relationship. So let's be honest. We all know our wives lead us to some incredible things, but she obviously led me to something spectacular. So let me ask you a different question. So Did your mom take you guys to church or did your dad take you guys to church? If you know what I mean? Oh yeah, I do know what you mean. And no, it was both of them. It was both of them. I'll be honest. I mean, we were at church every weekend. I was not involved in the youth group, which is kind of crazy because I spent most of my story in my adult life being a youth, I guess, pastor as a layman kind of thing. But yeah, no, they were both involved. My dad was involved in the men's group. My mom taught Sunday school. But what was interesting, I would call it more of a religious experience, just like you need to do these things, you know? Versus just that, what we were just talking about, just that daily walk with the Lord. It wasn't in, in the daily reading of your Bible. You know, it was more like, well, read this. It's in this particular pamphlet that the church made, but not just open your open the Bible up just to mm-hmm. see what it has to say. And so that's what's so eye-opening when I finally discovered that my late 20s was just that whole, well, I did attend church. But when it became that relationship, it was like, oh my goodness, like mind blown completely mind blown what I've been missing for 20 some odd years. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Every day, my, there's something that happens that blows my mind. Like, no way. That's just so cool. uh, Yeah, it is. It is. So anyway, (laughs) moving on fast forward a bit. Yeah. You get blessed with four daughters. They're all uh, spoiler Mm. alert. Everybody listening. They're all grown now. They're all past the age of high school and stuff. So you write this book as a, a reflection and kind of tell some stories as the girls were growing up and the girls actually helped you edit this book and said, no, nah, that story stinks. Don't put that in their dad here, you know, and help craft this thing. And I believe their intention was to also give the best book for girl dads. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll tell you, Dan, you know, the, from the title of the book, from the chapters that were chosen in the book, I, mean, I literally sat down with my four daughters and I said, okay, girls, if we're going to write a book that's a dude's guide to raising daughters, what are the top topics? And we wrote them down. We prayed about them. And then we chose those topics. And then I wanted the girls to write, Abby, Maddie, Emmy, and Lily. That's the crew of four. I wanted them to write in each chapter because I didn't want a dad going, 
well, you're just the dad telling your highlights kind of thing, or you're just, you chose these topics. I wanted it to be validated by daughters that experienced the way I rose them, right? The way I grew, they grew up. And so that's, they chose. And then we chose the, the action items, as you notice in the back of the book. I mean, it's a guide, it, you know, read, read the chapter, listen to the girls, go pick an item and go do it with your daughter. They chose those as well. Some of which we actually did, most of which we did as they grew up, but then some of which were like, man, that's a cool idea. Let's add that to the book. So, and what's crazy is the stuff that the girls write is like what people are, are like really resonating with because they're like, it's real now. Like a, a grown daughter, the product of the Lord through you is saying, this is important, dad, wake up, focus. So it makes it, I feel like unique as to how it speaks to the dads. Yeah, absolutely. I was fascinated reading certain chapters. I'm like, Ooh, I wonder what she's going to say about this. <laughs> and not only that, I'm like thinking in my head, which daughter is the one that I wanted to hear the most from on that particular topic. Cause you know, all four of them chime in throughout the book after each chapter. Yeah. And they've all got very distinct personalities. And that's what was so amazing about writing this book and the fact that you know, I didn't know what they were going to say. And I, and I did not tell them what to say. I gave them zero guidance. Even when we were going through the editing process of the book, the, the editor would say, well, do you want to change this? I was like, no, I want it raw. I want it directly out of the heart of my daughter. You know, one of them might say, well, dad, mine's shorter than my sister's. It doesn't matter. I wanted what exactly that you wanted to convey, regardless of word count. Right. And uh, I think that's why it touches dad because it's real. It's just honest conversation. Even Folks that have been around my daughters, grew up with my daughters, like they're saying, I can hear their voice because they know their personality. Yes. They know, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Sure. Yeah, I totally could. You know, I, I assigned voices for each one of them. Yeah, isn't that fun? <laughs> and so that was the intent. And I'm so grateful that that's what people are getting from it, to be honest, that they're not necessarily just hearing me. Uh, I had some dear friend as I was preparing the book and writing, but they're like, Brian, I'll be honest, I love you. I don't want to hear you. I don't want to hear you throughout the whole book. I'm like, that is so mean, but that's so true, <laughs> right? I don't want to hear me. And so I'm grateful that they took the time to write those. And it's been fun. It's been fun. Even when I go back and read them, I'll tell you a little thing. I did not read the entire book, Dan, until it was already published. And so now I go back with fresh eyes and ears and heart and listen to these words from my daughters. The guy next to me on the plane, when I started reading it, he's probably thinking, why is that guy wiping tears off his face? Yeah. Because you know? it's, I can hear my daughter speaking to me, which is so cool. I was planning to jump back and uh, talk about how the book got started and everything. However, uh, you just mentioned a Texas man that is athletic and manly and triathlons and all that stuff. You're crying on a plane. Yeah, dude. I'd say, I don't know if it was because I'm a father of daughters. And as I talk about, it, especially in the discipline chapter that you have to be very soft hearted. I don't know if it's that or because I shaved my legs for the past 20 years because I was an Ironman triathlete. <laughs> I don't know. But I, some people say, even my daughter's like, are you really a dude? Really? Because I, man, I've got this heart for people, heart for my girls. And yeah. So yeah, with all that, my friend, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Great, crazy, wild question for you. I don't think this has come up on the podcast yet. Have you ever shaven your eyebrows? Never. No, no, so just the legs. And the swim, swimmer shave, crazy stuff and everything. Yep. And that's well, I did that. And because of cycling, people were like, when you go down, they don't want to have to clean up all the hair and stuff and shave you when you've already 
destroyed your leg with asphalt. And let me tell you a little secret, my friend. I started doing it because of triathlons, but my mama says she likes it. I'm going to do it till I fall. That's right. Grave, man. <laughs> That's right. I don't care. And I get made fun of all the time. They're like, well, you had a race in a couple of years. I'm like, I don't care. Mama digs it. Yep. Yep. There absolutely. You go. That was probably TMI to the listener. <laughs> So I, I bring up the eyebrow thing. It was a funny story. I picked up the other day, this guy shaved his eyebrows, competitive swimmer. And he goes, man, shave my eyebrows made me even believe in God even more. I'm like, where is he going with this? Where's the picture here? I'm like crazy wacko. And he goes, well, when I work out, the sweat runs down and right into my eyes. It's the only thing I can think of what eyebrows would be for. There's no purpose <laughs> except when I work out, he goes, intelligent design. This whole universe has got intelligent design yes. behind it. There's got to be somebody. Via the eyebrow. Yeah. Via the eyebrow. So he picked that up with sweat in his eye. Anyway. Sweat, salt <laughs> in your eye, and you go blind. That's great. I'm not trying it. No, no, I, I, I wouldn't <laughs> go for it either. So let's back yeah. up. Yeah. How did the book come about? What was the story of... Because generally speaking, guys that are successful in business that are just doing their thing, life's good. Don't just go write a book like this. Man, I tell you. So I'm going to back up right before as to why I wrote the book. Um, so I was in a very successful career, medical device sales, incredible sales team. I write about this in the book. I'm heading to a meeting like I've done thousands of times. And I got in a car wreck that within, I would say, 15 feet, I could have been underneath the tractor trailer going 75 miles an hour. And in the moment, like people talk about, they talk about the moment where you think you're about to die and all of your memories just flood through your head kind of thing. And I've had that moment. And when I got done, like I realized I was actually could feel myself. I wasn't bleeding. Um, I was going to live. I started doing the reflecting of like, how have you done? Like, how have you done as a dad? And that really hit me hard. And I felt like I'd been doing really well. I was involved in teaching a life group at church. I taught youth group. I had already done missions around the world. And I thought, man, you're really on your game. But I questioned like, man, if you, if that was it, here was the question, Dan, if that was it, and you were a face faith of Jesus, had you done all you could do? And man, it kind of haunted me a little bit. Hmm. And so I walked away from that thinking, man, God, thank you for saving me. Like you've got more for me to do. And I'm grateful. And literally within a month or two, my friend, I got a call. Our church decided to do a brave conference. First ever, never happened again, where fathers and daughters came together to teach fathers and daughters to be brave. And I was asked to be the keynote speaker. I'm like, God, this is why this is the beginning of why you wanted me to still be here on earth. So you've never spoke on a topic like this at all. No, I mean, I mean maybe you've done your business group. stuff. Yeah. I mean, I've taught at church. I've taught, you know, like maybe one-offs on our life group or something or youth, but never like on a stage. Like we want you to be the speaker to inspire fathers and daughters to better relationship. Never. Keynote. Here you go. Do this yeah. big thing. I'm like, yeah, no, no. You mean that guy behind me? Yeah, no, dude. Yeah, exactly. But in that moment, then I knew, okay, this is part of why God wanted you to stay here. And these friends, these two, these two ladies in our church said, we want you just to give, give the best of what you can recall and tell these dads and daughters. And if you know me well enough, I mean, I'm kind of no holes barred. I'm, I'm pretty straightforward in the way I speak and the way I try to really get under the skin of dads and really inspire them to do their best. And uh, I said, okay, y'all know me. And they're like, 
just go. It's yours. And they didn't give me a script. They didn't give me any guardrails. So I got on this stage and I, I, I gave it all. As I've done it for years, if I've taught God's word, I said, God, don't, don't let them see me. Don't let them hear me. I want you to be glorified in what comes through me. And when I got done, I was so worn out. And uh, I kind of stepped off that stage just once again, man, you know, tears in my eyes, overwhelmed by what God had just done and the, and the way people responded to the words that God gave me. And, and this friend of mine came up to me. And at the time, I guess I'll say he was really just an acquaintance. And Mark looked me in the eyes. He was crying. He's like, that was amazing. And I was like, dude, you're an amazing dad of two daughters. Like, how would you say that to me? He's like, no, that was amazing. Like, you need to put that in word. And I was like, dude, I literally laugh. I go, you're crazy. You're smoking something and you need to stop because I'm not going to write. Like, that's just not me. I go, you know, you've heard enough about me. Like, I'm going to talk. And I'm a sales guy, for goodness sakes. He's like, no, you need to give this to the world. I'm like, okay, that's very lofty. Thank you for that. And the whole God told you to as well. That was kind of cheap shot. But I do believe that's what God told him. I really do. And so to answer your question, that's what began the journey. I stepped off that stage being challenged by a brother, which we all should pray for. We have brothers that challenge us, right? And uh, he said, do it. And I kind of began that thought, but it took a while. <laughs> it took a while. As you know, it took a while. What's a while? Uh, let's say how about seven years, seven years, September, since I stepped off that stage and got challenged. Did I write the finally the book? I mean, the book came out what in June and here we are September, September here next month. So yeah. And that, that's a long story, my friend, to get me to that point. If you're listening and you hear that and you feel like I've delayed this too long, I've waited too long. I, I can't do it now because I, yeah. you can't, you can, you just heard it. Uh, you can just get started somewhere, get started today, grab somebody to give you a push, kick in the butt, challenge you, whatever it is, but whatever it is that's on your heart right now that you're thinking I should do that thing, do it, do it. And I'll be honest, be, you know, be transparent. I mean, there's multiple times where I didn't even write. I didn't even think about it. I promised myself when I finally gave in to like, okay, God, I'll start writing some words, right? I, I wouldn't do the old writer's head, you know, you got to get up today and write this many words. Like I literally said to the Lord, as you give words, I will write. I mean, one of the chapters, my friend, was written literally from, from South Africa to Dubai on a plane <laughs> because the words came to me. I mean, I, I knew the chapters, but the words came to me. And so I think when it's finally the day I hit publish on Amazon, I was like, that was just a seven-year act of obedience. And to all the dads out there, whether you have daughters or not, God gives you a little thought, a little thing in your heart, a little thing in your head. Don't, don't stop because, too, like you said, don't stop just because you're like, ah, it's been too long or whatever. Just don't stop. Just one step every day. You never know what he's going to do with it. So recently, my brother had a near-death experience, very recent. I spoke about it on last week's podcast. Yeah, I caught a bit of it, and then I missed the entire story. So I apologize for that. No, no. But I promise so, to go back. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's a crazy, stressful, and so I, I needed to talk about it and just share, capturing a week later, you know, you, you miss it. You miss the emotion. Yeah. You miss the thought process and everything else, but... For people that haven't had a near-death experience, what would you tell them how your life changed after that? Or, or if you're going to speak to my brother directly, how would you, what would you say to him? 
Man, life is a gift. You're not promised tomorrow. As the as the tattoo on my arm at my 50 year old, can you see that up there? Yeah. It says uh, it says simply, I want to thrive, not survive. And uh, that's from a good group called Switchfoot for the listeners. Go check out Switchfoot. But I would say that, heck, even check out Toby Mac. This is not a test. This is the real thing as Toby speaks, right? And so when you have those moments in life where it kind of jars you, shakes you, makes you think that, understand that life is frail. As I, as I sat in my car in that, what felt like an hour, but we're literally for 30 seconds and realized a little bit to the right, um, literally my, I would have probably been to be a little gruesome. I'd have been decapitated. It's that simple, but to not have those moments to, to listen to you and to listen to me and others and say, don't, you don't need to have that moment. You don't need to have that near death moment. Realize right now, every moment, every breath is a gift and take advantage of every second of it. And that for me though, I felt like I was doing that already, but man, after that moment, Oh man. And I have to go back to that moment sometime and say, you remember? And it's like, Oh, okay. I got to be intentional. So, and that's every man, that's the Walmart greeter. That's whoever, every moment, just embrace it because tomorrow for those of us that follow the Lord, man, we might wake up, we might go to bed and wake up and we're standing in front of Jesus. Right? Very well could be very well could be. So attack it today, you know? both hands, both feet, go for it. Yeah. My brother was in that very real space. He said in the next 24 hours, I'll either know I'm going to live or I'll be dead. One of the two. Yeah. It's a weird place to be, man. And to be driving down the road and you're in so control, you're on that same road you've always driven. And it was a sunny day. The, The pavement wasn't even wet. Life was awesome. I'm talking to one of my sales guys on the phone and then bam, that was it. I mean, it was it. And that it could have been really it. Right. So don't go get in a car wreck and make your, make your life more important. You know, (laughs) just go, (laughs) go do it. Yeah. So again, I loved your book. What, What were some of the lessons you've got about six lessons that are in the book? What, what are some of those stories that just really grabbed you that make you emotional or, or get you excited or like, yeah, I like that chapter of my life or like seeing your daughters go through that chapter. Oh man. Well, God, that's hard to start. It, you know, I tell you in, in uh, beginning with the end in mind, right. As Steve Covey says, and is, is the last chapter, which is crazy is about endurance. And because I'm an Ironman triathlete, I've been through a lot of pain. Like, for, like I forced myself into pain for, six, seven, eight years, right? It was my choice, which is crazy. I learned a, a lot about endurance, just really using the power of the Lord, which is the Holy Spirit that lives in you to just to do life. And specifically to daughters is just to, when it's hard, lean in. When you don't understand, listen, but just it endure, you know? And, and the crazy thing is, Dan, because I'm on the other side per se, because my daughters, as you mentioned, are adults now. And I can see the fruits of the Lord's labor through me. I realize now that that endurance, that training of my body, which trained my mind to go further than I could have imagined as an athlete, also taught me to do the same when it came to being a dad. And 
I know as a father of even one child, male or female, it's hard. It's a hard adventure, right? Because you feel like this is the most important thing I'm going to do in life, which you need to view it that way because you're raising up the next generation. And so you need to endure. And so in the midst of all that in my life, being an athlete like that, it taught me how to really endure as a father and lean in. And when it gets hard, don't give up. I think it's too much, uh, enough is a generational thing, but dads maybe just like raise with their hands and go, I'm done. You know, don't do that. You're never done, right? Until you're truly done. And so that taught me a lot about in, enduring, you know, which is interesting that I would say that at the end, but because I'm, I'm at, I'm not at the end of raising my daughters, but I'm, I'm seeing the results of it. That was probably one of the biggest lessons for me. Now I look backwards and go, I just didn't give up. I didn't give up on any of my daughters, regardless of personalities were different than, you know, the cookie cutter, like number one doesn't act like number four. And so you have to really push through it. Yeah. I love the lesson of endurance. That one's always been something that, that meant something to me. Maybe it was because I couldn't win the hundred yard, uh, hundred meter dash, hundred <laughs> yard dash, whatever. There's always yeah. somebody faster than me. There's always somebody that could run the two mile faster than me. But by gosh, nobody could run farther than me. Well, let's be honest. I was never fast. Why do you think I became an endurance athlete? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's this, your mind over your body. And so people could ask me like, well, why don't you just do short distances? It's because I'm slow. And so I just go long and yeah, like 12 plus hours long. But it teaches you a whole lot about God's power. You know, my, one of my buddies in part of the story in the book is how I became in that sport. And I remember asked a buddy, I was like, how did you do it? He's like, well, you're in the water and there's about 2000 people in the water and, uh, or whatever the number is, I guess now I'm, I don't know what they cap them at nowadays, but, and, uh, you're sitting there and you're treading water and your heart's racing 160, 70 beats per minute. And the cannon goes off and just the water's shaking like crazy because people are swimming everywhere. And he goes, God, I'm a sinner. And he goes, about 12 and a half later, hours later, I go, amen. And he goes, and then, so it just taught me this like, oh, that sounds really simple. I can do that. I can pray for 12 and a half hours. But in that, I say it, it taught him, it taught me and others, just the power of the spirit that's in you, right? To do things. You don't have to be a triathlete to, to know that, but just the power that you have tapped into, it's, it's right there, man. And so that was part of my journey is learning that and being an athlete like that. Just yeah, knowing how yeah. powerful he is. Yeah. Yeah. Just keep going. I'm like, so when I say nobody can run farther than me, it's because I, I won't quit. I'll well, that was it. I'm not, I'll crawl across that finish line. Yeah. Like, ba like Babe Ruth said, you can't beat a man that won't quit. That's exactly right. Just keep I would getting not. up, keep ringing the bell, keep going. So keep yeah. Going. Yeah. So continue to answer your question. I, I will say you can, you can read through this entire book and I, and I hope and pray that many, many men do, right? And daughters are benefited from it. But I would say the reason the first chapter is build your foundation, the most important thing I want to convey is the fact that your role as a father is to know who the true hero is. And that's interesting. Hero was like the chapter was going to be the title of my book, because I think society has kind of misconstrued what a hero looks like. And so I changed it to the title that it is now thriving girl dad. Cause I think people can resonate with thriving. Absolutely. But really I could have done nothing as a father, if it wasn't for following the ways of what the Lord teaches. And so I started with that foundational chapter. I, I'm unashamedly present the gospel 
And I tell dads, I give them maybe a little bit of an out and say, hey, you don't have to follow the Lord to be that leader of your family, the leader of your daughter. But I'm going to tell you that is the way and that is the way I chose. However, that part right there, I want to make sure dads understand is you've got to have accountability. You've got to have other men in your life. You've got to be part of a community. You've got to be in his word. And that's where I learned so much of what is the rest of the book, right? But I think for me, when I finally woke up at like 29 and said, okay, there is that relationship that we were talking about directly with him daily and understood that I need to submit to that power in my life and then raise my family in that manner and to build it, that changed, that changed everything. And so for me, when I was, I decided to be properly baptized, you would say, you know, immersed at 30. That was a declaration at 30. This is what I stand for. And I, and my daughters were there to see it. How old at that time were your daughters about? Oh my, you know, you're gonna make me back up in time. They're, they're all in the single digits. So, you know, you're talking probably two to what, two to seven or whatever, something like that. So I I asked that question for the guys that have kids that are in that youngish range. Yeah. So had you not changed your mindset, changed the way you think, changed your beliefs, changed the way you behaved intentionally Mm -hmm. at that point, had you considered where your destination would be? As a father, as a, somebody that's a believer, just destination is raising my family. So before you decided to change at 29. Yeah. So if you'd have continued the way you were going at 28, where you would be, where your family would be, oh, what the results would have been. Much, much different, much different. You know, I had, I had a gentleman come into my life by the name of Robert Turner, who looked me in the eye and says, you need to decide, are you living for the world? Or are you living for the ways of the Lord? And that began that decision of I'm going to go not left, but I'm going to go right. And I would say I was a guy that was kind of like middle of the road. Like I, I knew how to act and I was moral, but that was that, that was kind of that flag of like, this is what my family represents. This is who we we're going to follow. This is the direction we're headed. And it took some, a little bit of pride to sit on the side. I'll be honest, you know, to say, I'm going to make this declaration. You know, I'm going to have them see their dad submit to the Lord. And this is who we are going to be. And man, that right there, that moment of literally as people talk about, you know, being immersed in the water and death and raising into life as you come out, that changed the trajectory of our family. And I would challenge every father listening to be humble enough, put pride in the back seat, man, throw it away, just be humble and just say, at whatever age, whatever age it is right now, just do it. Change the trajectory of your family. Yeah. Pride comes before the fall. So awesome. when you feel like you're prideful somewhere, yeah, that's a danger sign. That's a red flag. Check yourself, ask your buddies, figure something out. Yeah. Something's about to come your direction. And when you say that you're not prideful, guess what? That means you're prideful. I'm just saying. <laughs> I remember a time where I'd already changed my directory and we'd built a house and yeah. we started, I'm like, Hey, that'd be cool to actually write Bible verses all over the studs, all over the different rooms. We did the and all same. That. Yeah. yeah. Like that was such yeah. a cool experience. And as I go to write above the threshold, and I'm sure you wrote the same verse as for me in my house, yeah. we will serve the Lord. Yep. I backed up. I'm like, Oh, we got to do this. Oh, I, I don't know what this means, but I think this is another level. It is. Yeah. Because Yeah. When you make that step of faith of like in baptism, or you write those words above the door of your home, I mean, you're all of a sudden going, oh, okay, I'm committed now. 
Not that it wasn't committed before. <laughs> right. But now it was <laughs> staring you in the eye. But something about that just really got to me. And I was excited. But at the same time, I'm like, just sort of looked up. I'm like, what do you got for me, God? <laughs> What's mm-hmm. next? Become a little more real. Yeah. Not hotter. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wasn't expecting that in that little fun exercise. It was fun yeah. researching, looking stuff up. But that one verse gave me yeah. pause for a little bit. So as it should. Good for you that you did that. Yeah. That's and, awesome. And you did the same verse though. Or no? Yes. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and I wish now that you're saying that, I wish I'm sure we've got a picture somewhere, right? Because we yep. went to all the, the daughter's house, the girls' rooms and on the floor. And uh, it's funny now. I'm like, oh, I wish I'd have written those down somewhere else. But now you can make me go digging. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I got to go dig through a file and find them somewhere. But yeah, yeah. each room's got their own different thing hidden behind the wall now that you can't see. So exactly. Blessing <laughs> the family that's now in the house because we no longer live there. Yeah. Yeah. So which daughter, as you're writing the book, challenged you the most and said, dad, come on now. Ooh, wow. You're going to get me in trouble. Now I'm going to single out one of them. You don't have to call her out by name. You got four. So the audience won't know. (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I, it's interesting. I I would say that my oldest, because I've walked with her probably obviously the longest because she's the oldest. She's also feisty like her dad. As I say, she's the one that's a little, yeah. She's makes her own way, makes her own way. She's just, yeah, it's funny. They're all like their mama. Let's be honest. But she was the challenge. And what's so interesting that that you asked that question, she, I would say her, if I looked at it, it's a bigger picture, but in, on the journey of the seven years or whatever, I guess six and six and a half till it was actually launched. It was, they came in at different times, right. And, And to challenge me and ask where you are with that. And then as I would get fired up about, okay, I'm writing, we got the chapter done. Then I would have to like challenge them like, no, I need you to give me your words for chapter two or whatever it might be. Right. And so it became this family. Okay. Now dad's pushing. Now the girls are pushing. Then the dad, you know, and so it was an interesting journey the entire time as to who was pushing who, right. Who was asking who for words to put into the book. One of your daughters was particularly vulnerable in what she said. Ooh, that would probably be Emmy would be my guess, my third. Um, I, I was to, thinking it was, I was thinking your third. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She's yeah. She's a very few words. And well, when she talks, poof, get ready. It's going to be profound. So yeah, I bet that I, I have to say that too. It would be. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, in my head, I'm like, I don't want to get it wrong, but it's your, your third daughter was the one that I just resonated with what she said. And I was surprised from a guy's standpoint and I'm sure women are the same way. We, we like to be perfect and we like to have our facade and everything else. And I've long since hopefully got past most of that stuff, but seeing a younger person kind of reveal and say, no, nah, I've got some flaws. I got some imperfections. She just spoke in a way that was like, yeah, I know. I'm just going to talk about it though. And well, and, and I tell you, you know, is, is you dive into like their value, like what the worth is in the book. It's really that conversation with your daughter to realize that you can be vulnerable. You can be honest with yourself, honest with the Lord, honest with other people around you as to who you are, you know, and who we are or not, or not perfection. And um, that's something we've instilled in our girls to just, it, it is what it is, right? We in the world will tell you that you need to be perfect. You need to look this way. You need to talk this way. You need to wear this. And uh, I'm glad, I'm glad to hear you say that came through hopefully with all of them, but definitely with Emmy. Cause she's so, she's a very heady. She's the, she's our biomedical engineer for a year. 
uh, at college who is now at the Culinary Institute of America becoming a chef. Be and, and because her mind just works like a recipe, right? Yeah, so that's kind of how she speaks. Very, just matter of fact, you know, and very open and honest. So you just brought up the girl's identity and the girl's worth. Mm. Have you got any tips to help? Because I, I find that is like a huge key in what I want to develop in my daughters. I want them to know that their worth isn't based on worldly things. It's not based on other people's thoughts or identities. Their identities in Christ and they're loved by me. They're loved by God. Mm -hmm. That's it. They don't have to impress anybody. They can just be them. And that's enough, no matter where they are, what they are. Yeah. Our, our saying, and I'm sure you've heard this before, Dan, is audience of one. You know, I always have this picture of like you're a dancer, which is obviously every young girl's dream typically is to be a ballerina or be a dancer. And even though, as I say in the book, thank goodness I had all athletes and as a dude, that was super cool, right? But even if you're on the volleyball court or if you're on the basketball court and or if you are a dancer, a young little, a little girl, it's an audience of one, you know, and having that picture of there's just this spotlight, you know, that's kind of, that's looking down, that's looking down on you. And it's only the Lord's eyes that sees you. And then that's, that's just how you do life, you know, is with him watching you. And so with that said, if all you're doing is have an audience of one, then all the rest of the stuff, whether it be social media, whether it be what you hear on the radio through the music you listen to, your friends listen to, and what tell those things of the world that tell you to what you should be and how you should talk or define you, just go back to it's an audience of one. Jesus is the only one that you need to, I wouldn't even say, I guess, perform for. He's not asking you to perform, right? He's just asking you to be what he created you to be. And with that, it's freeing for a young lady to go, oh, I was designed this way. I mean, I, you might've heard me say before, I mean, I look at my girls and I say, you need to determine what your gifts are. What are the things that you're naturally just good at? That's not bragging. That's not patting yourself on the back, but I'm just good. God created me this way to do these things. And then what are those things that you're passionate about that you literally, if I could ask you about them, I'm sure there's things with you, Dan, I could ask you about it and your heart rate would go up, like physically monitor your heart. Like, oh, I'm having a hard time breathing, right? And then that becomes your purpose. And so with defining those things, I tell the girls like, well, that's why God sent you here. God sent you on a purpose, right? But you have to identify your gifts and identify what your passions are, which are given to you by the Lord anyway. And then that becomes your purpose. And so with that, though, it clears away all the noise. I used to tell in youth ministry for years is, you know, we as, we as believers or followers of the Lord are at a little bit of a disadvantage because we don't have him physically in front of us talking to us. But the world has the advantage of where the noise is so loud. But if you understand audience of one, understand kind of what your gifts and passions and purpose are, it all of a sudden just kind of takes all that noise and it's gone. It just turns it off. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, I'm listening to his voice. I'm looking for him for approval or if th is this the right thing? You know, that goes back to what we talked about earlier, just the walking with the Lord daily. I mean, he lives inside of you. He's right there. I think with that, I've just helped my girls understand that that's, that's your best friend walking with you everywhere you go and don't let the world define you or tell you what you should be doing, how you should be doing it. And I hope as my daughters who are so diverse in what they do, training wise in school or my daughter's becoming, one of them becoming a paramedic, it's whatever that is that is what you should be pursuing, right? As he gives that to you, he gives it to you. So audience of one, my friend, <laughs> that's for you and me and our daughters. I was talking with a, a lady yesterday and her daughter 
had gone through one of those colleges where she was at one of the collegiate cheerleading programs. Mm-hmm. And when you're looking at the top 10 huge, massive schools in the United States, and if you were to be a cheerleader at one of them, this would be one of those schools. And she might've been the girl that was on the cheerleading front cover yep. featured. And wow. what the lady said was outside looking in, you'd think she had the perfect life. Mm-hmm. And what actually happened around her was a whole lot of cattiness and bitterness and attacking yeah. and uh, girl drama and all that type thing. You having four daughters, my guess is you had to help them navigate or your wife or somebody, somehow they got through some girl drama somewhere. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. And, and yeah, I'll, I'll tell you this. It was, it was, I would say maybe tougher for my girls in the fact, because we raised them in the church, we raised them in God's word. We raised them on the mission field and, and stepping out in faith and starting a ministry, which was a, a youth camp, you know, it was tough because they became isolated in the fact, just like their mom and dad, D and I, about what we believe. Like we made hard choices as to what we did and did not do. And so a lot of theirs was, yes, they were in the middle of the drama, but a lot of it was also because the things going around them were such of the world and they had this sweet spirit because they knew what the Bible said and what they learned at church. So they had this sensitivity to the worldly things. And so with that, they would find themselves maybe in the middle of the drama, but probably a harder thing for them was they would remove themselves from the drama because they saw that like, I do not need to be there because they'd feel like convicted or they'd feel like, I know this is wrong. I should not be in this drama. Right. And so they would step away. Well, then that leads to isolation. Yes. Right. And then isolation as a father, specifically, you feel like you feel guilty. You're like, well, I'm the one that's teaching the ways of the Bible, which isolates you from the world. And now you're isolated. Right. It's that proverbial Friday evening and they're 12 years old and people are going to go somewhere and they know in their hearts they should not be there. So they didn't go. And but now they're isolated. And you're like, oh, my goodness, like they're being they're being punished because they they're trying to be who God created them to be and not be involved in that. And, but we would also raise them when they were in the drama, like be the one that was bold enough as a young lady to step in and stop the drama, stop the cattiness, stop the, the gossip. And as you can only imagine, Dan, when they would do that, I mean, here we go. You're isolating yourself again, you know, because you're stepping out in what the truth is. Um, and some would maybe ask my girls like, well, why do you, why do you believe that way? Which, you know, leads to a wonderful story of what we believe, but it also would find them shunned away from it. And so ironically enough, within our house of the six of us with the four girls and D and I, there was, our drama was more like, okay, how are we going to give the girls the tools to enter into the world, which is a lot of that drama to back to my saying of thriving, not surviving through it kind of thing. It's tough. It's real. It's real for a young lady to be part of that drama. And we as dads need to help them navigate it and, and to not neglect the influence of the wife as well. Your their mom, your bride, right? Because they lived through it as a young lady as they were growing up. And sometimes us as guys don't understand that, right? And that's one advice I would give the guys. Don't dismiss the drama that goes on in your daughter's lives because it is real because guys are very easy just to bow up, walk away, that are just getting a fight where it hurt. It reaches the heart of her, your daughter. It, it, it hurts them. It wounds them. 
and you need, you can't dismiss it. You need to listen to it. As I say in the book as well, don't, don't try to solve it, give them guidance, right. And, and step in, but don't sit there and just be the guy that listens to five words and just, Oh, well, let me solve this for you, sweetheart. Listen to their heart condition. Cause that's a big deal drama in a, in a young lady's life. It's, read that book, men are like waffles and women are like spaghetti. No, <laughs> no, it's like I need to now. I read that one. I thought to myself, that's a horrible book title, but somebody that I respected gave it to me and suggested I read it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't want to read this thing. However, I will. And it, I read through it. I'm like, ah, I get it now. Okay. So men are like waffles. We got our little boxes that we put oh. things in neat and tidy and none of them touch the other box. They're all separated. And women are like the spaghetti where all the noodles touch everything and they're all over the place and everything's connected and everything reaches their heart. So true. And they've got so many more different connected thoughts about a million things where me and you are just so simple. We, We are. And I tell you, as father of daughters, I mean, you have to be so sensitive to that, right? And listen to them and listen to their hearts and and I get into it in the chapter about discipline, like how you discipline them, because they're so much more sensitive than we are. Extremely different when it comes to that kind of stuff. And I think we as guys just sometimes just dismiss it, like I said, and uh, it's, I've, I've done it, right? I've dismissed it. And it, it goes, it goes nowhere good, man. It goes nowhere good. So, so what's a way to step into the conversation with the drama, whatever that looks like? You know, what's interesting is I would, I would enter that conversation to listen to the details. And then one of the first few questions I would ask after they completely emptied their heart and wiped away the tears, maybe. And I'd say, tell me about their home situation. And I'm like, where is their dad in this situation? And part of the reason the, the, the catalyst for writing this book is when it would boil it down nine out of 10 times, they would have an absentee father whether they're physically absent or emotionally absent father. And that had caused some of the wounds of the young lady that caused her to be a little bit catty, to cause her to be a little bit mean, caused her to not have a father that's modeling to her the whole audience of one, or just don't listen to the world to put it in more of a simplistic term, but it put them in a mode of, I have to prove myself. I have to act like the world because a lot of TV, the girl would be watching because there's no dad there to maybe monitor it would be, well, you are mean, you do cause drama. You do draw attention to yourself and, and shun others. And so as I would learn like the situation of the home and the absentee father, I would help my daughters discover why the young lady is the way that she is. It would never be, don't ever talk to them again, unless it was harmful to my daughter. Right. Right. But I would say, let's understand that individual. Let's understand why she is the way she is. And don't just look at her like maybe my daughter's being looked at as a surface, but let's go deeper. Let's find out what her situation is. And then, then that would just turn into, let's pray for them. Let's pray that their dad would stand up, step up, right. That he would help her understand her identity. And so it was never not all that way. You know, I don't want to come off as every time, boy, Brian sat down and listened to every word, right. right? And I did not solve any problem or whatever. But as I got older and I learned and I listened, and a lot of it was listening to my wife, just to babe, 
keep your mouth shut. Just listen better. We would really get down to the situation behind the scenes for the young lady that was causing the drama and then help pray and help that young lady be in a place where she'd understand the lack of value of drama, right? So it was, there's a lot of stories like that where my girls would understand the bigger picture of what's at play, not just she did X. Yeah, that's a beautiful, beautiful way of being there, being involved and just helping think through what's actually happening and how your daughter can actively help down the road. I hear it all the time that Stephen Covey seek first to understand. Mm, absolutely. And it was because you're in the beginning, when your daughter comes to you like that, there's a lot of emotion. Yes. There's a lot, there's a lot that's going to come out of her mouth and out of her heart. So right there, a lot of emotion comes at you. So this is daughters. This is also wives. Oh, dude. Yes. You know, it's, uh, and let's be honest. And I'll back up the story just a moment. The reason, part of the reason I wrote this book is because my wife loves the Lord dearly, number one, but loves me so much. And the fact that she wanted to see me raise our daughters properly. She handed me a book years and years and years ago. She said, babe, you need to learn from another man that's raised daughters. So you do it right. Because if you don't, you're going to crush their hearts. And so I read that book and I would reference that book a lot. And that put me on that journey of listening more, understanding the, how God made my daughters, how they were wired but a lot of that, to your point, what, what I'm sure my wife knew ahead of time, right? If you learn how to parent your daughter, you probably can have a better relationship with me, right? You're going to learn more about me. And so, and I, I will say that the reason, one reason that I wrote the book, because the book that I read was so old, like 20 some odd years old, and it was a little bit bigger than what mine is. And I know that a wife is going to hand it to a dad. And so I, because that's how my journey began. And so I even crafted the size of the book, the length of the book, like physical size, length of pages, right? So our dad would not look at it and go, oh, great. I got this big book. I got to read, right? <laughs> and you're right about that. I, when I got my hand on a physical copy, I was like, oh, cool. I can read this. Flip yeah, it open. I'm yeah. like, oh, good. The print isn't super tiny. It's, it's cool. <laughs> yeah. But to your point, my friend, even, even this book of a, da a dad that picks this up to raise his daughters better. I'm going to, I'm not going to say you're going to raise your wife better because that's a bad way to put it. Right. But right. You, can have a, you can have a wonderful understanding, I hope, of the way women are made and how they think. And regardless of where you are in your journey with your bride, that you're going to learn some things about, oh man, I never thought about that directed as how I would like to speak to my wife, how I would like to treat her. Honestly, I hadn't really thought so much about that part of it, Dan, but that's super cool to think about because it will. And Part of this reason, I think that women will gravitate towards this topic and hand this book to their husband, because maybe they were that young lady that had a wound yes. in the heart because of absent absentee father. And so now what they're trying to do is make a generational change through their husband to their daughter. And that's their way of giving a tool to their husband to not only better the relationship with their daughter, but also better relationship maybe with them as a spouse, as their, as their wife. So yes. yeah. Yeah. So learning how to just be a better dad to your kids, whether they're girls or boys also helps you understand how to be a better husband as well. So yes, it's funny. The more I learn about how to be a better husband, I use those same things to be a better dad. 
things I yes. learned to be a better dad apply to being a better husband. It's it, yeah, it's interchangeable, right? That yeah, you're exactly right. It really is. So I don't know if the audience is wondering about this, but you mentioned all the self-inflicted pain you did to yourself in the triathlons. What was one of the worst times where you had to push through something and you thought to yourself, there's no way, or if I can do this, I can do anything. Or just what was an extreme time that you can remember? Oh man. Well, I'll, I'll give you two, I'll give you two quick ones. So race number one, in Arizona, as I mentioned, you're in the water with thousands of people. And one of the things you learn as an endurance athlete like that with that many people is the fact that when you swim, you reach out as far as you can, which is a good form. But two, if a foot is going to come up, you'll touch the foot with your hand, not with your face. Okay. <laughs> so I'm about, I'm about three quarters of the way around the loop, right? Okay. So two point, what is it? 2.2 miles of swimming. You're pretty exhausted. And my hand went out didn't feel the thing as I'm stroking, but right behind that hand was a foot. It kicked me so hard in the face that I literally mask came off. <laughs> I thought I was going to drown. I thought I was going to drown to the point that if anybody ever watched, you know, the Iron Man on at Hawaii, yeah. right? You've got a lot of people watching you in the water. Like if you raise your hand or something funky happens, like they're going to grab you by the back of your neck and pull you out of the water to make sure you don't drown. It was that bad. Like they were up on me going, are you all right? You're all right. So that just scared the, you know what, out of me. Cause I thought, okay, I've just started this race. I just about got knocked out. I'm about to drown and I've just trained for an entire year and I'm going to be pulled out of the race. Like we're, we're done. Right. That's one of them, right? The, the guy's going to drown story. But one of them, I instinctively remember, I remember, I don't know which race it was, Ironman race. I remember on the run, and I was cramping severely. And um, I just literally thought, I said, I, I cannot, I cannot take another step, right? I could not. And I had that moment of, you know, just kind of the devil in the ear going, you're a quitter. You're a quitter. And I remember like stepping off onto this plywood board that was going over like this muddy spot on the track. And it was hot. And I was probably dehydrated. That's why I was cramping. And I just leaned into the Lord. And I said, Lord, I need the next step. I need the next step. And my friend, I said that in prayer for the next step until I finished the run. <laughs> I finished the race, right? And probably as I was going across the blue carpet, you know, if you've ever seen one or done one, you enter this chute, which has got hundreds, if not thousands of people, your face is on a jumbotron as you're running down, you're down the blue carpet. And they say your name, Brian Young, you are an Iron Man. And I get, I get emotional just saying those words because I know what it meant to me at the time, right? But it took me literally, Dan, going, Lord, give me one more step. And I just repeated that over and over and over again until I crossed the finish line. So I'm going to use this moment to challenge every dad listening or even a, young, a, a mom listening to this podcast. I will tell you that my Ironman experiences, all of them were, were, were like my faith, my lovely bride and my children being birthed and finishing an Ironman because it teaches you so much. I don't say you have to go do an Ironman, but I'm telling you, it's going to teach you something about your faith, your strength, your mental capacity. So it's transformational to do something of that endurance level. 
because it's not you doing it, my friend. You can be an athlete all you want and say, ah, it's all my ability. It was not. It was one step at a time. Yeah, I, I echo what you're saying there. I've had multiple running events where I thought to myself, <laughs> not I can't do this. I can't, I can't do, do this. this. Yeah. And I, I, same thing. It's like, hey, God, what you got for me? I want to no. do this. I will do this, but I just can't. I can't. Lift my yeah. foot, please. Yes. Take one more yes. breath, please. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The other day, gosh, it was maybe a few weeks back. And I, as I was running, we were going fast. And somehow I was solo at this point instead of the group I was with. Maybe I broke out in front. Of, I don't know. But I, as I was striding, I was Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> <laughs> and I could do one step, you know, yes. and I got in a rhythm and finished, yeah. finished out with a pretty good time. But yeah, it, totally dig the running, but if it's not the running for you, if it's not whatever, it's not, but if you can find something that challenges you in a physical kind of a way, and it could even be something like repelling or rock climbing or just anything where you're doing something a little on the edge, a little bit past your comfort zone, and you've got to rely on something outside of yourself. Yeah, it's beyond you. That, that's exactly right. And I'm one of those, I've never like, you know, jumped out of a plane yet, but I'm being challenged by my youngest daughter to go jump out of a plane with her, right? With a real good parachute. I would challenge anybody and everybody, put yourself in a position where you're scared, where you're fearful, where you don't have the answer, you don't have the map and just step out, just step out in faith and just do it. I will tell you, every time I finished an Ironman, the night after the race, I'm lying in bed. I get this belly laugh like you would not believe. And my wife would be like, why are you laughing? I'm like, because I would have never, ever in a million years thought of myself as an Ironman. I still look at my tattoo on my leg that has an Ironman emblem. I'm like, I laugh. I'm like, no. But you know what? It's because it wasn't me. It wasn't me that powered me, right? And that's the beauty of it. And I would challenge her, like you said, man, anything. Go write down some things. You're like, there's just no way I can do this. And then go do it. It'll spar you on to the next one. I can't do it. Uh, but let's go do this. So good words, my friend. That's a good word. Yeah, absolutely. So a couple things. We'll close this one out. Have you got any uh, like parting things that you want to say to the men, to the dads that are listening, whether it's words of advice or just anything that maybe we haven't covered? Yeah. So I wrote this book, as you've already said, because a good friend challenged me. So I would say, listen to those around you that, that walk with you in the Lord and accept their challenges. I would say you that to be number one, because I would have never been down this path of writing a book or talking to you if I didn't listen to that guy, right? Make sure you got those guys in your life. If not just one that challenges you. Uh, number two, I wrote this book because dads, I'm interested in you. I want you to thrive as a dad, as the title says, but I'll be honest, I'm really about your daughter. I want your daughter to have the confidence. One, I want her to know who the Lord is. That's number one. Number two, I want her to have the confidence to do anything in this life that they choose to do. Don't let anybody tell her anything, but that's my goal. Like begin with the end in mind, good old Stephen Covey. I'm interested in your daughter is what I am. I want her to thrive, but you're the vehicle. You're in charge. It is yours to go do. Also, I wrote this book. As a book that, yes, stand to your point, it, it was, man, you grab it. You're like, oh, I can read this. This is easy. And you can. But what I'll challenge you and I'll challenge every dad that reads this book is I tried to write this book as more of a, the best of that I can tell you. And it's not age specific. And so I challenge you to read it and then go back to it 
and use it as the title says, a dude's guide, because you're always going to go back and build your foundation of the Lord. You're always, always, just when you think you know it all, you don't go back and build your foundation of the Lord. Your daughter is going to help need you to help her build her foundation. That's a never ending. I'm at a stage now where I'm helping continue to build the foundation of my 23 year old daughter's foundation, right? But when it comes to her value, when it comes to discipline, when it comes to her worth, all of it, getting to know her, my goodness, you know, chapter three, getting to know her. This book is written sequentially with your foundation, her foundation, and get to know her. Well, you can't discipline or be disciplined by someone that you don't know, right? You can't talk about purity unless they know who you are. So this book is written in such a way that you continually go back to the chapters based upon the stage of life that your daughter's in. And don't think, just like reading God's word, and by no means am I comparing my book to you getting into God's word. You need to do that every day, all day, right? But I want it to be where it's a guide. And when we're on, we're on a journey in life, we go back to the guide, right? And this isn't a guide to where I'm the hero of the story. Dads, I want God to be the hero of the story in your life. But I want you to be that hero in your daughter's life to lead her to the ultimate hero. So please read it, go back to it, reference it. Um, I look forward to the day where like dads are giving me new ideas to put out to other dads. I'm sure Dan, just like when you've learned stuff, you, know, you yeah. want to give it out to everybody. I was like, oh, I just learned something cool. And this is by no means the end all be all on how to raise daughters. But I will tell you of a dad of four thriving daughters, these are the things that I used, we used, and it, it worked. And I'm telling you, man, now that I'm here and, and see it work, it's good because now I'm like, okay, all the things I wrote are actually not, not just a theory, it's proof. And last but not least, and I, and I said this in the beginning, man, just endure, lean into the Lord's strength, not your own understanding, and just keep trying, keep trying, don't give up. Because too many dads, they just give up in the fight. Don't, you're, you're a charge with fighting for the heart of your daughter because the world is fighting for her heart and they've got an advantage on you because they're louder than you. And so just don't stop. And I, and I hope and pray. And it's not about the books, guys. It's not about me selling a book. It's not. It's about you being touched and you being changed because the little mantra we're having in our family, like, you know, what's our mantra? Like, what is our big charge like for dads? And it's one dad. It's one daughter. It's one family. And I pray that this book changes generations and changes the trajectory of the father-daughter relationship. And dads are present and dads do the best that they can do in the Lord's strength and create these daughters that take on the world that generations later are like, wow, they're amazing. So, man, I'm just excited to get to chat with you, man. This is super fun. And you're a, you're a blessing to me just to let me come on and just chat about it. It's awesome. We're thrilled to have you and we're thrilled that you're in, in the journey of a Christian dad Facebook community. And yes. guys, if you're listening, you're not in the group, join the group. It's free. And one of the cool things when we've got a book like this and you get information, it's awesome to have other guys around that, that have a clue that are going the same direction that you can go back and forth with and talk about what you're doing, be influenced by them, have yeah. them lift you up, have them help raise your game. So you need guys in your life like Brian Young. So I will tell you in my life, when I had uh, things that I want to be better at, one of my friends, he's got the number one health and wellness podcast in the world. One of my friends has a, possibly the number one dad podcast in the world. One of my friends now, my new friend, Brian Young, has written Thriving Girl Dad. Like, 
we don't necessarily need the the number one and the the world type of friends, but we need the friends sure. that are experts at certain things and that we can lean into them and get better at. So the people we hang with are the people that'll determine the direction of our lives. So find people that are great and lean in. The group we have, the Journey of a Christian Dad group, has got some phenomenal guys in it like Brian. Brian and I are going to do some live calls in the future. We've already done one, but we're going to do some more in the future. So I'm excited for Brian, Ryan Roy. We've got some other guys that are going to come on with us as well. Uh, Jay Warner Wallace, Cold Case Christianity is going to come on and do a call with us. So all these phenomenal things, jump in the group, get involved. And one last thing for you, I always ask the guests if they'd like to throw out a challenge to the men to execute this week. So you've got a, a bunch of things in your book of do this. So I'll let you throw something out and give the guys, so this is something they can do within this week. So in the next seven days. Wow. Guys, find the thing in your life that you've been thinking about that you've decided there's just no way, there's no how, I don't have the tools, I don't have the ability. Take a step. Just take a step, go forward in what that thing is and don't ever think you got to have this end product. Heck, this book took seven years. Just pick that thing, be challenged and take a step this week. That's fantastic. And totally encourage that. I have a do it now mantra. Mm -hmm. So when I run into those things and I have ran that through my head so many times, it's like, all right, just get that done. Take that next step get yep. after it. So that falls perfectly in line with that. And once you get one step done, the next step's easier and right there, yep. You just keep going. So Brian, thank you so much for coming on. I'm excited to reread your book. Your book is on my nightstand and I do use it as a reference guide. It's a, you know, just a quick little, I can jump in, grab something. Maybe it applies that day. Maybe it doesn't, but just stay in fresh and stay in ready. So when the opportunity comes, you're prepared and ready for it. So your guide is a guide that I do use. And I am so grateful we were introduced and able to just connect. Absolutely. I appreciate you being a resource for me. Yeah. Well, Matt, my friend, thank you for the opportunity. I'm grateful for your friendship. I'm going to give a shout out to Blake Brewer for introducing us. Blake's awesome, man. And, uh, just great. And I look forward to further conversations and thank you so much for letting me be a part of your podcast, my friend. Absolutely. My pleasure. God bless you. God bless the listeners. Thank you so much and uh, share the podcast, the community and, and do great things this week, guys. Thank you for listening to this episode of the journey of a Christian dad podcast. Thank you guys for being a light, shine that light out and let others see it with you guys. Part of this community, it helps me be accountable to you guys. It helps me be accountable to myself, be accountable to God and Jesus. I hope you appreciated this episode and picked up some great things. I hope you like the challenge and hope you can execute on that challenge this week. I ask of you, please subscribe, share the show with others. Join us inside of the Journey of a Christian Dad on Facebook, inside our private community. Share that community with others. Have your buddies join. Have other dads that are looking to grow in their faith, grow as spiritual leaders of their family. As we engage in our journey and be intentional with it, we can help others grow theirs as well. We thank you again for listening. We thank you for all your reviews. Look forward to reading a review of yours on a future show. So, dear God, Thanks for blessing all of us, and thanks for drawing us closer to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Have fun, guys.